Father, we give you our time now. Father, I give you myself as your vessel and your oracle tonight to flow with your spirit and to speak your words and only your words. Father, thank you that you speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God, we can come into his house and it be just totally different than what's going on out there. Amen. Amen. You know, this is real. This is real. This is where we come to get what's real, you know, and then we take it back out there. Amen. You know, sometimes with everything that's going on right now out there, it can be easy for the believer to just bar the door. You know, just, I don't want anything to do with that. I just close the door, stay inside. You got, y'all are crazy, you know, and just want to, you know, worship all the time, which we should all the time. We, he goes with us all the time. I'm not talking about that. But sometimes it's easy to be unlike what pastor's preaching us. You know, you can feel like I'm going to shut the door. I just got to get away from the craziness. But what's coming forth from God right now to believers is an entirely different message. That we're in the day of his power. (laughs) We're in the day of his power. No complacency allowed. You know, what are we here for? You know, we're creating heaven on earth. And that's what we're taking to people. That's our, that's our responsibility. We've been hearing on Sunday, we heard about being willing, which meant prompt and ready for military service. That doesn't sound like hideout. It sounds like takeover. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Well, as I was praying over this message, I, you know, I always go to God and I only want to speak what he wants to say because, you know, that's all there is. And so I just was praying, and I said, God, I I just want to say what I hear you say. And he said, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. And I knew right away what he wanted me to speak when he said that to me. You know, your ministers have to be willing, too. We have to be just as willing as you are willing. And a year ago, God spoke something to me that I haven't really wanted to share. And um, maybe because I just didn't have enough revelation. So today's your day. (laughs) So I was praying in the Spirit one morning, just praying in the Spirit, nothing really on my mind, definitely not what I was about to hear, praying in the Spirit. And seemingly out of the blue, you know, like you go into prayer and you want to meet with God, but then sometimes he just surprises you that he shows up. (laughs) And uh, out of the blue, God spoke to me clear as day. And he said, I don't call them addicts. And I wasn't thinking about that, praying about that, none of it. So he said, I don't call them addicts. I said, 
okay. He said, I call them slaves of sin. And in that moment, I thought to myself, that's great news! That is great news! That's such great news! Because I know how to deal with that. They're not addicts. It's not hopeless. They're just slaves of sin. (laughs) So it was good news. But until I... Until I got to the place where I thought, you might want to hear that, then I wasn't able to share it. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Turn with me to Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? Those who receive abundance of grace. There's abundance of grace available. Abundance of grace. That means it will never run out. That means it will never come up short for your sin. (laughs) You know, I think it goes on. You know, we know the verse that says where, I think it's in... Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That means no matter how much sin there is in the world, God will always have more grace. There will always be more than enough grace for that sin. It will always be greater because he's greater. He's the greater one. And the greater one lives in you. He's greater. He's the great I am. On Sunday, we were I think we were singing something like that. And, and it was like the Holy Spirit just said to me, man says I am great. But I say, great I am. He is so great. He's so much greater than our enemy. Abundance of grace, it will never not be enough. It will never come up short, and it never gets cut off. God never says, hey, shut off the grace to Nikki. Enough's enough. Nope, he never cuts it off. It just keeps on flowing and keeps on flowing and keeps on flowing. Those who receive abundance of grace, but that's the key. You have to receive the abundance of grace. You're the only, I mean, it will never get shut off, but you can reject it if you want to. You can buy the lie the devil may tell you that you're, you can't have anymore. Because remember what Eric said last week. He's just trying to make you ineffective and inoperable. That's his whole goal. To make you as nothing, because he's as nothing. That's what Jesus made him, null and void in the Amplified. Null and void. So those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. A gift is not something you can earn. A gift is someone just gives you out of the goodness of their heart. But again, you have to receive it. It's a gift available for anyone and everyone. But it has to be received. And when it is received, you reign in life. That's the goal. That's the goal of righteousness. That's the goal of God's graciousness that gave you righteousness was so that you would reign in life. Reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way you get the gift is you come through Jesus. Right? So all of, that, all, all of those points are really important. It never runs out. 
It's always enough. And that gift of righteousness, if you'll just receive it and believe it, right? You just have to receive it and believe it. You can reign in life. All right. So we're talking about slaves of sin, right? Let's turn. Let's just go down to verse. Let's just keep reading. Everyone good with that? Let's just keep reading. Let's go to 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Two of my favorite words. So that, why did it abound so much more? So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace, meaning God's graciousness toward you, his overwhelming loving kindness that wants to give, might reign through righteousness to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? (laughs) Isn't that what some people ask? Well, since there's grace, we can sin. It's no big deal. Certainly not. Read your Bible. Verse 2. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? There's a huge key. Huge, huge, huge key. When we are not born again, when we are, unre- when we are unregenerated, we've not been regenerated, we have a corrupt nature due to Adam, due to sin, right? That corrupt nature. And that corrupt, it's corrupted. It's our old man. It's corrupt. But when you become converted, that's not who you are anymore. You're converted. That means you died to sin. According to this verse, you were supposed to die to sin. Die to sin. And give yourself to God. Jesus is the perfect example of this. On the cross, he died to sin. What did he say? He said on the cross, into your, sin, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That's what you do when you die to sin. You say, I am done with this life. I am done with this sin stuff. I'm done struggling. I'm done just eking out an existence. I'm done. And then you say, I want something better. I want something different. I am going another way, right? And you become converted. And you give yourself to God to teach you now how to live a different way. And you trust him, just like Jesus. He committed his spirit into God's hand. And what did God do? He raised him from the dead and seated him high above. That's his plan for you. He wants to seat you high above. If you've been born again, that's the plan. Seated high above, reigning in life. Let's keep reading. Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, here we are again, dying to sin. You have to die to sin, right? That's what getting saved is. I'm not doing this anymore. If you die, if you die in the likeness of his death, certainly, it's certain. It's absolutely sure 
we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So what happened with Jesus is certain to happen to you. It's certain. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. In my Bible, there's a little note that says rendered inoperative. Your old man has been rendered inoperative. That we should no longer be, say it with me, slaves of sin. No longer slaves of sin. There it is. In case you were wondering if God really calls people that. (laughs) There it is, black and white, verse 6. He doesn't want you any longer to be a slave of sin. He doesn't want anyone to be a slave of sin. None. He doesn't want one slave of sin. That's why he sent Jesus was to get us free and everybody free. That's the plan. A saved world. (laughs) Right? Not a saved church. Not a saved few. A saved world. That's God's plan. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Why am I going over this? Because I'm not sure people believe this. And if we don't believe it, they definitely don't believe it. So we have to have this so ingrained in us that we've been freed from sin. It no longer has dominion over me. It can't tell me what to do. I'm not a slave to it anymore. The devil can't make me do nothing. And then we have to tell them. They can be free. In Jesus, you're not going to have that problem anymore. Boldly. Is this not what it says? We've been freed from sin. To no longer be a slave of sin. When you die to sin, you have resurrection power in you. Do you you know what that means? That's what, What greater power is there than to take something that's completely dead and give it life? That's God power. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Never to be, this isn't in the Bible, never to be Lord over you again. Never to be Lord over you again. There should be never a sin that is Lord over you ever again. Never, never. And this is the attitude we need to have as believers to be set free from every addiction. And then to take out there and set people free from addiction. That sin is trying to be your boss. Are you going to let that sin be your boss? I mean, doesn't that just kind of make you, like, your, your skin crawl? That sin could be your boss? That you could be a slave of something called sin? I don't know about you, but that makes me mad. That makes me mad. No, you are not going to, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> right? That's what we used to say. You're not the boss of me. Never will you lord over me again. Let's get down to verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, since all this is true, therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign. Whose responsibility is that? This is like an understood you there, right? (laughs) You do not let does it sound like it's your boss or you're its boss? Yeah, you're the boss. 
You're the one who lets sin reign. And you know what? We just have to get honest with ourselves and be, I mean, be honest about it. We can't let, oh, Nikki, it, it's not that simple. Oh, you know, you know what? Let's check some other translations because maybe you're right. Let's look at that verse in the New Living Translation. Let's see if it says something different. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Whose responsibility does that sound like? Ours. Sounds like, like me. Like I'm the one who lets it in. Right? Okay, so, well, that's just one translation. Go to the Amplified. Go to the Amplified. Let not sin, therefore, rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield. Doesn't that make you mad that something Jesus defeated can make you yield? Oh, my. Make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions. Well, that's just the Amplified. Go, go to the Passion Translation. Let's check some more. I have that one. Sin is a dethroned monarch. So you, oh wow, that one actually says you. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life controlling how you live, and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. You guys, it doesn't matter if it's alcohol, drugs, anger, sarcasm, anything you're not breaking free from is ruling over you. If it's not the nature of God, then we need to recognize it and say, you're not ruling over me. I'm not going to be like that. Let's just check one more. How about the message translation? Yeah, we're going to read a few verses in this one. I love the message translation. So, let's see. I'm going to read it off my notes. That's kind of little in the back. All right, here we go. This means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Do you want to give sin a vote in what you should do? No, No, I don't either. Sin is trying to take you out. It's trying to destroy your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time into God's way of doing things. Hello, full-time. I'm full-time. I'm a full-time believer. I'm a full-time Christian. I am full-time Christ-like. I am full-time doing it God's way. You just got to make a decision, right? Full-time. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. Right? 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 Not our, he's not our boss. We don't listen to him. We don't even let him talk to us, speak to the hand. We do not even let him talk to us. We don't do one thing associated with that kingdom. Not one thing. But you have to get serious about it. You're not letting it touch you. 
You're not getting soiled by its little fingers even touching you. And you just have to get serious about it. Let's continue reading. I don't have this in my notes. Go to, you're living in the, is that, let's go to verse 15. So since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience. Hello. Everyone shaking your heads. Everyone shaking your heads. That there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. Keep going. But offer yourselves to the ways of God. And the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you started listening to a new master. One whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. Keep going. I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became. Can anyone testify? I mean, we can all, we all can testify of that. The worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your lives healed and expansive in holiness. Keep going. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything. Sounds good to some people. For that matter, what did you, what, but do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Hello. Where did it get you? A dead end. A dead end. Can you tell? We all have moments in our life where we didn't listen. Where we knew what to do. Or even if you didn't know from the word of God, you had a quickening. And you ignored that quickening, and you got someplace you didn't want to be. And it was a dead end. And guess what? You reach a dead end, what do you do? Go crawling back, right? Get out. Get out, right? That's called repentance, right? We got to get out of there. So we're supposed to be converted. We can't let. That was the whole example, right, of all these is that it is not your boss anymore. It can't control you. You've been set free from it. You have resurrection power. You came out of that grave with power, and it doesn't rule over you anymore. So you can't let it. You can't let it. And sin is sneaky. It's sneaky. It just wants you to do something little. You know, voluntary. Because sooner or later, it'll be involuntary. Because he becomes your ruler. But you can still get free. That's the point. That's the point tonight. God doesn't call them addicts. He calls them slaves of sin. And the great news about that is Jesus set people free from sin. He set us free from sin. So it's easy. But we haven't had that mentality. And that's the problem. 
The church needs to get that mentality so we can take it out there. We can take that mentality out there and start setting people free, right? Set the captives free. All right. So what's sin? Well, the Bible says anything not of faith is sin. Why does it say that? Let's just think about that for a second. Anything not of faith. What's faith? Uh, Believing God. Believing God. Not just believing in God. Actually believing God. That's faith. So anything that's not believing God is sin. Because there's no action you do that we call sin that doesn't first start with not believing God. When you seal, because you don't believe God will provide. When you don't believe you can have that. You don't believe God will get it for you. You don't believe you can live without it. Whatever it may be. Whatever that thought is that makes you enter into an act of unrighteousness is because you forgot about righteousness. You forgot about your God. So anything not of faith is sin. Sin is simply not believing God. That's all sin is. And it just produces actions contrary to his righteousness and your righteousness. And to holiness. It's contrary. Let's look at... Look. Let's look at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Let's just stop for a second. We may never, ever be perfect in this life. But we should also never, ever, ever say that any sin has dominion over you. That's calling God a liar. That's how the devil talks. And we are not to give our mouths to him to be instruments of unrighteousness. That's what our tongue is when we say what the devil says instead of what God says. We should never give up to defeat, to sin, when the resurrection power of God is in us. Can I say that again? Yes. We should never give up to defeat, to sin, when the resurrection power of God is in us. Sometimes it just takes thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and meditating on it and meditating on it and meditating on it until it's so real to you. Sin goes screaming out the door because it no longer has control over you. But you have to meditate the truth. There's some notes in my Bible that I just love. But this being under grace, you know when he says, shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? We all know, if you're in here on a Wednesday night, you know, being under grace is not an excuse to sin. Just because we have grace doesn't mean go ahead, do it, right? In fact, let me shake your world just a little. Grace doesn't lower the bar. Grace raises the bar. 
Let me explain what I mean. When you're no longer under the law, but you're under grace, that means you've been... Turn to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, right? We're saved by grace through faith, right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access. Access by faith into this grace. Anybody remember the verse that if God gives his own son, what would he not also freely give you? Okay. When you are now a partaker of grace, you have access into everything God wants to give. So the bar just went up. Because if you got if you got access, let's let's say something silly that just comes to mind right now. Um, swimming. Let's say swimming. I don't know why I'm picking swimming, but swimming. Let's say swimming. I can only do so much with my hands and feet. But if I have access to scuba gear, see, the, I just got more, yes. right? Yes. I, I can go further and deeper, and nobody gives me scuba gear and expects me to doggy paddle in the kiddie pool. So grace puts you into position to have heaven at your disposal. So the bar didn't come down. The bar just went up. You have everything now you need for everything in this life. He gives you all things pertaining to life. Everything you need to succeed. problem is some people are satisfied with justified and they don't go into access we can't be complacent self-satisfied there's a whole world out there <laughs> let me just say this god isn't willing that any should perish is that your mentality is that my mentality? That's what the Holy Spirit said to me Sunday while pastor was ministering. He's not willing that any should perish. That has to become my mentality. Actually, it was Monday during prayer, corporate prayer. The church has to be, have the mentality that if he's not willing, we're not willing that any should perish. And then guess what? Acts tells us why we got the Holy Spirit. Why do we get the Holy Spirit? To have power to be witnesses. You have a power to be a witness. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. None. Absolutely none. Zero. He wants a saved world. A saved world. Let's go to verse 15. Romans 6. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you, know, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? 
But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That's good right there. That's right. Whoever you're obeying is your master. In any given situation, all day long. We have choices all day long who we're going to listen to. Whether sin leading to death or obedience to God leading to life. You can become a slave of sin by choice. You've been set free from sin. But you can be a slave of sin if you want. That's what I think is so crazy about it. Jesus came to set you free from sin, but you can still be a slave of sin if you want. But we can choose to be slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You may say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about drinking. Okay. Well, I mean, it does, but it doesn't say anything about it. Everything is lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Pastor said this past week, it might I don't know when it was, but I heard it come out of his mouth, no one is going to sit on the throne of my life but Jesus. Amen. That should be our attitude. Yeah. Nobody is going to sit on the throne of my life but Jesus. I don't care if drinking is okay or not. If it's a problem for you, hello, if it's ruling over you, You better tell it to go. Something else is sitting on the throne of your life. You know what that means? It's become a God to you. There shall be no other gods before me. I don't know. I, I don't know about you. I had to go to the dentist this week. And I got to, had to get a filling. And you know how they numb your lip? And you feel like all like, mm, like your body is like, mm. I don't like that feeling. I do not like being out of control. I do not. I do not. I, my, nobody had to ever worry about me ever drinking or getting drunk because I do not like feeling out of control like I don't have control of my life. There's nothing going to control my life but Jesus. Amen. I'm not getting, I'm not being brought under the power of something that's going to get control over me when Jesus bled and died for me to be free. We just have to get serious about it. Serious. There are certain things God will tell you not to do. Things you have to separate yourself from. There may be people you have to separate yourself from because they're not good for you. The Bible even says, there's even instructions. Separate yourself from so-and-so. Separate yourself from such-and-such. Pastor had us read the New Testament. I read them. I know y'all did. You've got to separate yourselves from things. Sometimes it's for you, and sometimes it's for others. How about the verse, 2 Corinthians 6, 14? What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? How do, none. Light with darkness. None. There should be no fellowship going on there. None. Zero. See, why are we toying around? 
with this. The devil's playing for keeps, people. He's not, he's not playing games. He wants you to voluntarily obey him right now so then he can involuntarily enslave you later. 1 Corinthians 8.13 Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never again eat meat. Did you hear the heart of Paul? If food, if there's a food that somebody else thinks I shouldn't eat because I'm a Christian, then why would I want to eat it and hurt them? Hurt? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes God separates you for you, and sometimes he separates you from it for them. What if somebody has a drinking problem and they see you drinking? Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never again eat meat. Lest I make my brother stumble. See, we're trying to go to the Bible and say, this is okay. It doesn't say it's not okay. But yet there are people out there that are enslaved to it. And we're justifying it by saying, I'm fine. But if it makes my brother stumble, what am I doing? Where's the love in that? Romans 14, 15 says, if your brother is grieved because of your food. Now, it's just using food, but let's say behavior. Let's say drink. Let's say whatever you want to say. If your brother's grieved by something you're doing, you are no longer walking in love. And what's the greatest commandment? Love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. See, the devil's getting us all caught up in like, you know, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. It's okay. It's not okay. Wait a minute. Is anybody having problems with this? Because if they are, why would I want to destroy them for the sake of saying I can do it and I'm fine? There's... They're slaves of sin. Does that touch your heart at all? It does mine. There are slaves of sin. (laughs) That should mean something to us. You know, the church, there's a war. There's a war on God. I don't know if you know this. (laughs) But there's a war on God. God has an enemy. And so he doesn't want people to know about God. He doesn't want him to know about their, his word. He wants you to think there's no such thing as truth. And he definitely doesn't want you talking about, you know, get, get you all confused about the word. You know, there, there's even fights in churches about whether we should be talking about the law anymore. Can somebody please tell me what the law is? It is God's word, right? It's the word of God, right, Joseph? It's, it's the word of God, which means there's life in it. Yes. Romans 3 says, by the law is the knowledge of sin. If we can't even convince them there is sin, how will they ever get free of it? There's sin. It's called sin. It's sin. It's disbelieving God, but we call it sin. I mean, it's not... It, it, 
it comes forth in actions. But it's not just behavior. It's mentality. It's not believing God. But it's not believing what God said. There would be no sin if God never told us what not to do, the Bible says. That's why the law came forth, so people would know (laughs) that there was sin. That they weren't doing what God said. And they needed a Savior. If we go back to Romans 6, oh wait, let me see. Romans 3, it says, okay, by the, by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 31 says, do we make void the law now that we have faith, through faith? Certainly not. Certainly not, Paul says. No, we don't, we don't just say there's nothing good to the law anymore, just throw it out, null and void. Certainly not. Black and white in my Bible. On the contrary, we establish the law. Why? Because the law is God's word. We establish the law. Once you've got grace and resurrection power, Vic, resurrection power in your veins, in your heart, in your spirit, in your life, there's nothing holding you back from doing everything the law ever said and not doing everything it ever said not to do. Once you get saved, it's so easy to fulfill the law. You don't even have to hardly think about it after a while. It's just nature. Why? Because it's God's nature in you. And God doesn't do those things. He doesn't have any problem not doing those things. He's God. And then he gives you his nature. And it just becomes your nature. You don't even have an interest in that stuff anymore. But we can't not talk about what the word says. If you don't know what God says, then you can't do what God says or not do what God says. You have to have knowledge of sin. If you're a slave of sin, that's the problem with the world changing Bible terminology. Is because when you find out you're an addict, it's like a hopeless thing. You have a disease. But that's not what God says. He says you're a slave of sin, which is easy. I already took care of that. That's what he says. I took care of that with Jesus. The same way you got saved and you have an eternal life someday is the same way you can reign in life here. Believing what God said. And confessing it with your mouth. Believing in your heart. If you know anyone who has an addiction who can't get out from under sin, it's that easy. They have... Oh, man. Turn with me to John chapter (laughs) 8. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He said it. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. He said the truth alone would make me free. It doesn't matter what I'm enslaved to. It doesn't matter if it's sickness. It doesn't matter if it's a sin, a mentality. It doesn't matter. The truth will set me free. I have to abide in his word to know the truth, and the truth will set me free.
Every time. Every time. You get the word of God on something, it will set you free every time. But you have to go to the word. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. There's life in the word. Go to 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 the word. Anybody remember Sleepless in Seattle? You got to go to the mattresses. Go to the mattresses. That means you got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to go to the word. No matter what the devil tells you, no matter what how he tries to enslave you, no matter what lie he tries to tell you, if you can find the word from God that it will set you free. Amen. Every single one of you in here probably has a testimony about it. Whether it was your finances, a sickness, a child, a grandparent, whatever the case may be. You went and you found a word and you stood on that word and you found freedom in that word. Freedom from fear. How about just simply, you know, you'll have sweet sleep. You pray over your kids. No, you're going to lie down and your sleep will be sweet. That's freedom to them. Angels watch over you. That brings freedom to them. They can go to sleep knowing angels are watching over me. I'm going to be fine. It's only adults who say, yeah, but. See, you didn't learn that when you were five. Let's keep reading. The truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and never been in bondage to anyone. These guys must not have known their history. They, they forgot Egypt. They forgot that they were under Roman rule currently. I mean, we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Period. But then verse 36, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, indeed, indeed. That's the truth, period. So what do you do? You grab hold of that truth for yourself and for anyone you meet out there. No, 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 no. Jesus will make you free. Jesus makes you free. Jesus makes you free. If you'll just believe that, you can be free. Is it that simple? Yep. That simple. Was it that simple for salvation? Yep. It's like that in the kingdom. So simple. See, down here, maybe you don't think words are powerful, but you forget God created the world with words. See, it's a different kingdom you're operating in now. So this word has the power in it to set you free. Set you free. I'm going to read a couple more verses because it took these verses one time to break my heart about something. You know, you can be a Christian, complacent, think you're doing great. You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Like, I'm doing good. I'm just... I'm doing good, Lord. Okay, I'm doing good. Let's, let's read verse 42. If God, let's read verse 41. You do the deeds of your father, Jesus said to them. 
Then they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Who's me? The word, the son, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Whoa. That's, those are some big, those are fighting words right there. Those are some big words. You can imagine Jesus looking at you say, you're of your father, the devil. You're like, and you know God can't lie. Like, I'm of my father, the devil. Yeah, right? Sobering. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. That's the one sentence that broke my heart. I thought back over all the times where I had done something stupid. And right there, it's because I wanted to. I had to come face to face with the fact that it's what I wanted to do. I made the devil my father because that's what I wanted. And see, that's the thing we have to wrestle with. Is what we want to do. Remember the message translation, all the times it said your desires, what you felt like doing, all the things you wanted to do? See, we have to get down deep and take a moment and say, what do I want to do? Like, as Christians, oh yeah, I want to follow God. I'm going to obey God in every situation. I mean, Miss Spiritual. I mean, I'm a Christian. Adrian, I do right things. Yeah, well, what about when you're hurt? Then what do you do? So you have to, like, get down deep and say, God, no matter what, you're my father. And I want to do what you do. I, oh, I do not want the nature of the devil. Ever. I want... I only want to say what you say. I only want to do what I see you do. See, Jesus came to show us how to do this. It also says, I don't know if I wrote it down. You can look it up later. I think it's in Romans. It might be Galatians. Nope, it's Peter. <laughs> Sorry. It's First Peter 4. He who suffers in the flesh is done with sin. See, sometimes you've got to be willing to suffer in the flesh to be done with sin. That applies to addictions, but it also applies to doing things right. 
It makes your flesh suffer sometimes, doesn't it? When someone's in your face and you just take it. When they smear your character and you say, God, you're my defender. I don't need to say a word. Because you're just done with sin. It's not being my ruler anymore. I'm not, I'm not listening to it anymore. And you know why? Because I committed my spirit to God. I died to sin. And I said, God, Paul said it. I trust him with everything I've committed to him. And he will keep and guard it until that day. My whole life, everything about me, I trust him with it. And that's faith. And that's what pleases God. That's what pleases him. Faith that you trust him. That you believe him. There's hurting people out there. We have to love them for him. We have to speak the truth in love. And we can't let the devil intimidate us that they don't want to hear that word sin. Or that they don't want to hear about Jesus. You have to go beyond how they're going to treat you and care about not willing that any should perish. Talking to myself. Talking to myself. Righteousness, remember Romans 5.17? God's graciousness gives you righteousness through Jesus and through your righteousness. Walking and practicing righteousness, you will reign in life. But you can have abundance of grace and choose to walk in unrighteousness, and you will not reign in life. You know, it's like that old saying that says um, that for the unbeliever, this is the most heaven they're going to ever see. But for the believer, this is the most hell, praise God, you'll ever see. You know? But why be a believer that experiences hell on earth instead of heaven? And he promises you life if you'll practice righteousness. If you'll just keep practicing righteousness. What's righteousness? Well, he makes us righteous. But then we have to Walk in that righteousness. And that righteousness is his right standing. His way, remember Matthew 6.33, his way of doing and being right. It says in the Amplified. His way of doing and being right. So righteousness is like a conforming to the word. Conforming to the law. Conforming to the word. And then just let me end with this. Everybody's favorite passages out of Isaiah. What, what's, what's your favorite chapter in Isaiah? Anybody? 60, right? Yeah, 30 is a good one too. Isaiah 60, we all like, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, right? And then Isaiah 61, it just even gets better for the, I am a, what's 61.1? Arise, shine for your latest come, and then 61.1, I could turn there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You get all cheered up, right? And then 62, Isaiah 62. This is God speaking in Isaiah 62. And he says, 
For Zion's sake, that's the church, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Woo! Those are good chapters, right? Did I just wake you up? Those are some really good chapters and they just get you going, right? And then chapter 62 ends with verse 12. And do you know what it says? They shall be called the holy people. The holy people. All of that leads up to they're going to be called the holy people. You know, we were singing tonight, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Oh, my goodness, it just stirs you, doesn't it? And you know, that's God's desire for you. He sent you his, he could have called it anything, holy spirit so that we could be the holy people. Because we have to show them the way. We have to show them the way. So righteousness is conforming. I, I kind of define it conforming to the word, but holiness is conforming to his nature. It's conforming to his nature. And that's the goal. Righteousness is said... Romans 6, if we were to turn there, righteousness leading to holiness and life. More abundant than you could possibly fathom. Because that's the goal, to reign in life. And then when we get this and we start reigning in life, (laughs) we're going to get them all. I like movie lines. And this one comes to mind. We're going to take them back. We're going to take them all back. We're going to take them all back. Right? For God, we're going to go out there. We're going to set captives free. We're going to turn them. They're going to die to sin because they're done with it, guys. They're done with it. We're done with it. They're done with it. And then they're going to be raised in resurrection power. And they're going to come in here. And we know they're going to come to the church. And they're going to say, the Bible says, they're going to come to the church. And they're going to say, teach us the ways of the Lord. Father, praise you, Lord. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder of life and righteousness. And, Father, that you set us free and the devil has absolutely no dominion over us. Sin has no dominion over us. I thank you, Father, there is nothing in our life that we can't get a hold of. Nothing in our life that's gone astray from your nature that we can't convert through the power of the risen Lord. From the resurrection power that lives and abides in us. There's nothing that can defeat us when we get your mindset, Father, that we will not be brought under the tyranny of sin any longer. And Father, I thank you that as this church gets brighter and brighter and brighter, as our righteousness gets brighter and brighter and brighter, Father, our lives will go from glory to glory and they will want what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.